0: Hello friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. On the Logistics of Logistics, I talk to experts in logistics and transportation, warehousing, fulfillment, supply chain, and of course technology. And during these interviews, I'm always the one asking the dumb questions. I ask the dumb questions so you don't have to. Today's topic is winning in a down freight market with my friend Nick Dangles. Nick is a fantastic guest. He's been on my podcast multiple times. He's very knowledgeable of the freight market. He's very knowledgeable about transportation in general. In the podcast, we talked about what happens in a down market. And what happens in a down market is we stop spending on tech, of course. We stop spending on new people, of course. We don't market, of course. And then we don't do any training, of course, because we don't have any money. The problem with this strategy is it might be a necessity but it's it's a problem because the big guys they don't stop doing these things and then as the market turns you find out your team is undertrained you don't have the right tech but what we get into today is what nick is up to which is he's one of the co-founders of a company called sync logistics training and it's a training program that works really well cuz it's custom designed for logistics and transportation companies freight brokers and most most training is offsite. Most training is expensive. You can't do it at your own pace. You have to do it on their schedule at their location, or it's outdated, or it doesn't pertain to our business. So, check out what Nick talks about. And he talks about the need for training at all levels, but also, especially those new hires, as we hire people during the downtime. Also, you need to learn to sell differently during the downtime. And Nick talks a little bit about that, too. So, check out my interview with Nick Dangles. But, before we get to the podcast, I want to tell you about my friends at Tusk Logistics. That's T-U-S-K logistics.com If you're a small parcel shipper, you can save 40% with Tusk. And the way you can save 40% is Tusk has a great technology and they've connected a whole bunch of regional small parcel carriers. These are carriers that have been in business for a long time and they're excellent service, better than the big guys in their region but you could never use them because they were just regional. Tusk has connected these guys into a national network. You can save 40% and have better service. And in addition, you get Tusk's technology, which is top-notch, plus you get Tusk, uh, their customer support. Overall, you can't lose. You get better service than you're gonna get from the big guys, and you get better technology from the big guys, and the the service, um, the delivery time is better than the big guys. 40% 40% savings. Do it, tusklogistics.com. And right at the top, it says, get started. Click on that button and get started and save 40%. So how's it going, Nick?
1: Hey, Joe, it's going
0: great. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm always excited to talk to you. Nick's been on my podcast a few times and we talk every once in a while to catch up. And I love what he and his team over at Sync are doing and always keep me abreast of what's going on in the market. So Nick, please introduce yourself and your company where you're calling from today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Nick Dangles. I am calling from SYNC Logistics Training, which is a joint venture between my primary company, Kinetic Freight Tech, and also Metaphora. Ah, so describe what both those companies do. Glad you asked. So at Kinetic, we basically do sales and marketing consulting for predominantly freight tech companies. And Metaphora is another consulting company that works predominantly with transportation companies. And kinetic is a training as a not kinetic sync is our training as a service platform that is a joint venture between kinetic and metaphora.
0: Yep, yep. And I've had I've had you on my podcast before talking about what you guys do at kinetic. But I've also had people from metaphora, Peter Renschler, the CEO. I've had um, Ryan Shriver, Had a lot of the kinetic or the a lot of the metaphor. And by the way, metaphora used to be Carrier Direct for those of you who are keeping score at home, <laughs> so yeah a lot, um, lot of names in the mix there, but <laughs> hopefully they kept it straight well, and I think a lot of people have probably heard of metaphor and worked with metaphor they have grown like a weed and they do they work with some of the top companies many many of the top companies, and a lot of companies probably never heard of also but They are a traditional consulting company, I think, but they focus only on the logistics and supply chain space, but they also do a lot of technology and technology roadmaps and all that other stuff for companies. Anyway, so Nick, tell us a little bit about you. Give us some career highlights. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some career
1: highlights before you started Kinetic. Yeah, let's see. So career highlights, I'm going back really far. I'm originally from Champaign, Illinois, so I'm a central Illinois guy. I went to undergrad at the University of Illinois down there. And then eventually I moved to law, Moved to Chicago in 2005 for law school. I went to Loyola, Chicago for law. Nice. School. And then from there through through a hey, longer story than we need to get into a podcast, I am no longer an attorney. I kind of fell into freight like a lot of people do. And I've been in the transportation industry for over 10 years now. And the, the bulk of that was in brokerage. Nice, nice. Nick, Nick, you were on my podcast
0: before, and you said something that I I was I found funny then, and I've mentioned it to people since, that you, you, your mom and dad are doctors, right? They are. So they are educated people, obviously make a good living as a doctor, and, and they've got their, their, their son there, goes to law school, and then you told me you left law school, and you were doing law for a while, and then you said, I want to get out of this, and you told me you were doing door-to-door sales so and I kept thinking at the cocktail yeah. parties people were like hey how's that how's your son doing wasn't he in law school yeah actually he's a door-to-door salesman now
1: <laughs> yeah you know like my my poor folks and my wife honestly have seen some ups and downs in my life I mean they like I majored in philosophy in college and you can imagine my folks sitting there thinking to themselves what's this guy gonna <laughs> do with this philosophy
0: what kind of doing? what kind of doctor are you gonna become Nick <laughs>
1: <laughs> right? And then they think I'm turning it around by going to law school. Lo and behold, that wasn't for me. Um, and yeah, I ended up selling. So after being out of law school for a while, I realized it wasn't for me. I tried to get into a career in sales. And I had the unique problem of being like underqualified and overqualified for every right. sales job. Oh, right? yeah. Like I, That's a real thing, too. Yeah. I had no sales experience, so no one's going to hire me for uh, like a more advanced sales job um, and I'm also a 29 year old guy with a law degree so no one's hiring me for an entry level sales job so the only like literally the only sales job I could get was selling office supplies door to door so I did that for 6 to 8 months and honestly like I, I joke about it but I learned a ton it was a great it's boot way. camp for sales people yeah, yeah it was it was a great way to cut my teeth in sales I learned a lot I'm about sales about myself it sounds hokey but I did And then from there, I actually, I worked with Charlie Safro, actually, who placed me in like my first brokerage role at Optimal Freight, where I learned a ton. I met a bunch of great people and just kind of have been in the industry ever since. Yep. Yep. Well, again, I think I can look back at a whole bunch of jobs that I really did not enjoy,
0: but I'm glad I did them. And just because what I learned there and, you know, as you get older, you can kind of Forget some of the uh, negative things. They become funny as opposed to painful.
1: (laughs) Yeah. As I was was walking the streets of Chicago in the middle of winter selling office supplies, it was not an entertaining experience. But... It's a good story later. Ten plus years later. Yeah. Yeah. it, It is now. It did a lot for me. It was a valuable experience. So tell me a little bit about what you guys are doing with SYNC training. Yeah. So... Sync logistics training is a training as a service platform designed specifically for the transportation industry. You know, for a lot of different reasons, training tends to be neglected in brokerage. and it's a shame because people really need training to be successful. I mean, i and I mean that both from a new hire perspective and also a, a continuing education professional development perspective where, if you're really focused on like retention of your employees and really developing up, particularly this younger generation coming into the industry, you need to be investing in training to really get like the most out of your group of people. I'm, I'm a big believer. I, 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 as you know, I went back to school and got my
0: master's in education geared towards consulting and training. And so I've always been a big... will also say it's challenging because not everybody wants to spend on it. And I think it's it's almost like it's almost like flossing or changing the batteries in your smoke detectors. We all know we should be doing it more, but it's just, well, just don't don't get around to it, right? And we do it at our own detriment. And when we're coming up with the title today, we're talking about the down market, and and we'll get into that in just a second. But if you want to win in a down market, it's different than in the up market. And I said this also before we hit record. I talked to. Kara Brown from lead coverage the other day. And she said something I thought was really insightful. She said in a up market, you have new business that is, that, that can't be managed by the, the industry, the freight brokerage space. She said, so it's the top guys, whoever, whoever traditionally was doing that move. They didn't get to it. It went to a secondary guy, a third, fourth guy in many cases. Just just don't have enough capacity. So it's just the price doesn't matter. If you got a truck, we're going to pay you to move our stuff. Well, now in a down market, we're saying, Ugh, do I need all these guys here? There's not as much business. And now I'm competing in a very different way. And we'll get to that in a second. But she said, you're basically competing now. Before, it was just moving freight. Now you're direct competition that could be very price-driven. You have to win the business. That's why we call it winning in a down market because you literally have to win it from someone else.
1: Yeah, I, I think a lot of what you just said there resonates with me. I mean, from a brokerage perspective, everything you said is spot on. You know, when the market is hot, price almost isn't even an object it always is to some degree because it's transportation but if you're a broker and you're able to find a truck you win that (laughs) is what people need that's what shippers are looking for right like like they don't have capacity so as long as you can provide capacity it's almost name your price as opposed to when the market slows down when all of a sudden it's much more competitive right like capacity is loose and it becomes much more of a price game and at this point like, you need to have the skills necessary to navigate these conversations with your customers because everyone's lowering their rates and everyone's undercutting each other. So how like, how do you keep that business that you worked so hard to win when the market is right. tight? And I
0: think what we see, in, in a, and by the way, this all makes sense. We've all been in positions where we had to make these tough decisions. We start scaling back. So the technology that I was going to spend on, I'm like, ugh. Put it on the back burner because who knows what the next quarter holds. So I'm going to hold off on tech. I might be slowing down on hiring or maybe even letting people go, right? We've seen layoffs. And then the marketing budget, uh, probably need to slow that down too because I don't know what's coming in the next quarter. I mean, are we coming out of this? If we're coming out of a recession, great, I will spend. I'm not going to let anybody go spend on that technology, but that's the problem. None of us know. So we scale back on technology, people, marketing, and maybe probably especially training. And I'm hoping to stay the same or grow with a smaller team with less technology and less marketing. And I say, yeah, also let's cut back on training. And I know what you're going to say, Nick. (laughs) It's not
1: the right thing. (laughs) No, I mean, it's... They like it's the damnedest thing because I mean, freight happens in cycles, right? Like every three years or so, like it's a new cycle. And every single time when the market slows down, brokers do exactly what you said, they cut back on technology, they cut back on their people, they cut back on their marketing. When, like, I think the reality is when you look at the best in class brokers out there, they, they don't cut back. They're the ones who, when the market turns, they reinvest in their people, they reinvest in technology that way like when you start seeing the market change again it becomes capacity becomes tighter like they have people who are able to actually adequately service their freight they have the technology that they need to be competitive so the brokers who really stay on top are the ones who continuously invest in, the, in these things yep. we just mentioned. Yep.
0: So they're scaling back, at, and, and again, as somebody who's scaling back saying, hey, great, Joe, Nick, you're so smart, but it's my money and I don't have enough of it to keep all these things going. We get that. But if you're trying to do more with less, it might make sense to say, hey, can I get some training? And and I think we'll get, we'll talk more about your training in a minute. but. Training can also get very expensive. But I think that's, if you're thinking training super expensive, I think you're thinking the old way, which is, hey, we're going to get some an author and he's going to come in and he's going to speak to us about selling cars. <laughs> and you say, yeah, how does that help me, right? So it's not specific to my industry. It's also a, a different world than what we live in.
1: Yeah, like you, I, I get it, right? I mean, when revenue is down anything that isn't directly revenue producing is a tougher sell, right? And that does include things like technology and training and whatnot. But at the same time, like brokers also need to kind of take into consideration the fact that a lot of these things are investments. Like while they might not directly impact your revenue and you might need to spend money to get them, you're going to get more money out of it in the long term. You're going to get things like Better trained employees. You're going to have technology that can help you win freight at higher margins. You're going to be able to retain your people better. All of these things, like, may not be directly revenue producing, but long term are going right. to be. Better and by the company. way, since we are
0: competing, and again, this when a, in a down market, you're competing with for that freight because there's not excess freight. There's there's excess capacity. So I'm going to be. I might have been real successful in that hot market where I could find trucks. Now I can find trucks, but now this conversation's turned to price focus. So I have to have different skill sets, different different tools in my toolbox. And so your team might need updating their skill set, especially if they've never experienced a down market before. So this is where the importance of training comes in. Before we hit record, Nick, you were talking about the different different parts of training. And we we talked a lot about the new hire, but I think everybody knows new hire makes sense for training but that's kind of where it ends. And let me also throw this in there. The big boys, the biggest companies out there, and we all know who they are. They spend a lot of money and time on training. So when you say competing, they they have the dietitian and the strength coach and the wonderful facilities that you are without. And you have to find an edge, a way to compete against those guys or you're going to lose.
1: Yeah. And I'll... Like I'll echo what you just said about the new hire training first. I mean, it does seem straightforward. You know, if if you wanna set somebody up for failure, don't train them. I mean, it's, it's as simple as that. But like if you dive in deeper than that, I mean, you can look up statistics about how much more productive a person is if they've had sufficient training as opposed to if you just throw them out on the floor with a phone and a load board and say, hey, best of luck to you. You can look up statistics about like the cost of a bad hire, right? If somebody quits after six months or so because they weren't trained well enough to do their job i mean that costs your company something crazy like 15 or 20k just to do that so like while new hire training just it seems on its face to be to be important i think most people recognize that really take a minute to dig in there and realize just how important it is and then like you said moving into the like more professional development experience hires Like, this is a real, like, hot-button issue for me. I get on the soapbox a lot because this. think about the skills that you need to broker freight at a high level, right? Like, you've got communication skills, conflict resolution, problem solving, like, financial literacy. It's just, it's such a demanding job from a skills perspective, but very few people get trained on these things, you know? Like, I hear a lot of the time, I, I hear this quote that's, This is from people who have been in the industry for like 10 plus years. Maybe they left the industry. Maybe they're still here, but they'll say, yeah, you know, like I brokered freight for 10 years, but all I really learned was the rate from Chicago to Atlanta. And that's crazy to me because there's so much more to learn about the industry and about the role of brokerage and how to do that job well. So like from a retention perspective, it's really important to give people training. Otherwise, they're just going to go somewhere else to find Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: And Nick, I've run into this. In, in the past, I was talking to a company, and they were saying, "Well, yeah, we we have twenty percent margin on everything." And I was like, "How? How so?" And I go, "Because I'm looking at it, I don't see twenty percent margin." I hear that. And They go, "No, for every." So I just say, "Take take the number." And by the way, this is the boss telling me, "Take the number." So it's a hundred bucks, and I I multiply it by. Or I just add 20%. So now it's I charge them 120 and you go, oh, okay. So, so that's 20% margin? Yeah. Well, how do you calculate margin? And the reality is... <laughs> the reality <Okay>. is...
1: <laughs> oh, nobody uses margin. Yeah.
0: Currently. So you mentioned financial literacy. The, the leadership of the team was sharing... And by the way, they were a bookkeeper in their background. So they should have known better, but they're... Markup and margin are often used interchangeably. It's different. And so you need to get that training. And I would also say that what's challenging to the new hires, or I should say when you have new hires, is I have kids who are in their late 20s, early 30s. They come from a different world than you grew up in, Nick, or that I grew up in. And I felt like when I had a job, I was lucky to have it because I was a younger baby boomer. I was lucky to be there and they were happy to tell me I was lucky to be there. <laughs> I had no they had no problem saying, you are lucky to be here, Joel Lynch. And I worked for guys who fought in World War II or in, in Korea. They were a different management style. <laughs> and people quit now. If they don't feel like they're being developed, they quit now. And they have there's more money in the world than there ever was before the pandemic the great resignation that a lot of women said "Ah, the hell with it it was largely the quitting was women saying i have kids i'll go home i'll find something else to do so we have to now when you get those new hires you have to make part of part of it is getting their skill set where it needs to be and it's not just for you it's for them so they feel like i'm wanted here they want me here they want to develop me they see a career here if they don't see a career, they see this just as a job, they're going to quit.
1: Yeah. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head, particularly with like the, the younger generation coming in. I mean, I say younger generation. Like I'm 40. You so used to be like part of that. You, well, like I'm probably <laughs> as old as you can get and still be a millennial, so I'm right on the uh, tail end of that. But, but yeah, people want personal and professional growth. They want training. They want career advancement. It's not enough to be making money right now if you're like stagnating professionally because people want more than that. And I think another interesting kind of related point to this is that a lot of brokerages don't necessarily have room for career advancement. You know, they're flat management structures. They might be small companies. Like You're not necessarily going to progress through their ranks. But what you can offer is training, you know. So for somebody who wants that professional development and wants to like progress in their career, even if they can't get the title, or the role, they can still get the training. They can still learn the skills. And a lot of the times, like that's what it takes to keep people engaged and like involved in your company. Yep, yep. So
0: the importance of training, obviously, I want them to be more effective. I want them to be more efficient. And in a down market, if I want to win, I have to have good people. There's just no way around it. And again, make no mistake, I hear people go through two-week programs at some of the bigger companies and those companies have great technology they have great marketing they have the the money to do everything right so if you're in a smaller company you say well we can't compete well you can you can now because there are technologies like the training technologies like you guys have developed that gives you the chance to be successful and do that training even though you don't have billion dollar training budget yeah and that's going to help you not only get more more f- from your people You're gonna do better with retention. So you're gonna get hopefully more return from every employee. You're gonna have retention, and hopefully you're gonna be able to develop some leaders within your organization. And leaders are not just people who um, have leadership skills. I think it's also individual leadership is a big part of it, but also having industry knowledge. I'm assuming you guys do a lot of the industry knowledge in your training? Oh, of course. Yeah, because a lot of times you get sales training where they don't understand our space. And if you don't understand our space, how good are you going to be? <laughs> you know, I mean? If you're selling something like, I use cars as an example. When I go into a car dealership, they know there's a very good chance I buy a car in the next 48 hours. And they treat me like that, right? They can be a little, not. I'm not saying they all are, but... They can be a little more aggressive because we're not having a relationship. You're either going to buy from me today or you're not. If you leave, there's a chance you don't. So I'm not burning a bridge because you know. If I if I get a little aggressive and you don't like me, that's okay because you're you're already leaving. Different in our different in our
1: business. Yeah, and like I think, like kind of the crux of this is that like through training people, you're going to have more productive more engaged employees that actually stick around for longer so you're going to be making more money and you're going to be like saving money by not having to complete like uh, not having to like rehire folks oh yeah we have like huge you on a huge <laughs> turnover oh yeah that's a turnover it's crazy it's such a turn and burn industry sometimes but you touched on one thing a minute ago that i want to kind of continue off of you talked about like those two three week long training classes that people go through and like, we experienced that a lot. And something that we hit on pretty frequently is that training is a process, not an event. You know, by having this two, three-week-long training class, I mean, it's great that people are doing that. But it's more important to continue that training, right? Because, like, how often do people get retraining after that? The, those two, three-week-long classes? Not very often. And yes. that becomes a problem because they get into bad habits. They forget best practices. And as a result, like they don't end up making as much money because they're not doing things the way that's going to be most profitable for them or for the company. And it also opens themselves up to a bunch of problems because they're not following compliance best practices either. But that's a separate soapbox for me.
0: Right. And I use the analogy sometimes about training is... It's like teaching your kids a, a skill, like this so swimming, right? So you take your kids swimming and you say, "Okay, we're going to swim," and you're doing it, and you're right there, and obviously you're showing them certain things that they need to do. Probably got them with the water wings on or whatever else to make sure that they're not going to drown. But it's not a one-time event; it's all the time, you know. So that even years after they learn to swim, you're saying, "Hey, you know, if you if you put your face down and do this with your arms, and you, you're not kicking enough, right? Kick, 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 right." we're always right there. I call it just in time training. And that's important because a lot of what we're trying to do with training is repetition. And if I go to down the hall to a training center that's all set up and I'm I'm am learning, that's good. Maybe I'm I'm picking some stuff up. The problem is if I go back to a my desk and my boss isn't in alignment with what I learned and also he's not reinforcing or she's not reinforcing what I learned, it's quickly forgotten. So we need it to be, and you said something to me, and maybe you can expand on this, Nick. I I use the term alignment. I want the training to be aligned to my company and this culture and the, the leadership, but you said training needs to be engaging, relevant and
1: actionable. So elaborate. Yeah, that's my big shtick that I get on here. And you said it just right, like engaging, relevant, and actionable. I mean, it needs to be engaging because if you think about some traditional training platforms out there, they just kind of plug people in front of a video for an hour and say, here you go, like watch your videos. And well, what happens? People tune out, people increase the playback speed and stop paying attention. And you don't get very much out of training if it's not engaging. So that's why we're including things like shadowing and uh, simulations and activities. That way, it's not just hey, watch your video. It's watch some video, but then also like engage with these different activities that we have. Relevance is another big one, right? What you're learning has to be relevant to what you're going to be doing during your job. And again, like these two week long training classes are guilty of this a lot, where you learn everything from, like, this is what a dry van is. This is brokerage's place in the greater transportation landscape. This is how czar lights work in LTL pricing. And the reality is after these two weeks, maybe you're going into a tracking role. And did you need to know anything about czar lights to be able to call a driver see if he's loaded? No. Right. Right? So, like, everything you learn has to be applicable to that job and it has to be actionable, right? What you learn, you have to be able to apply And that's a struggle sometimes because nothing replicates calling a driver and having that conversation quite like calling that driver. So, again, this is why we're incorporating things like the activities and the simulations to help make the training a lot more actionable so people know what they're going to be doing when they get on the phone. I I use the term just
0: in time because you guys have what I'll call just in time training because it's with me at my desk. I don't need to go down the hall. I don't need to wait for the motivational speaker to come to the to the uh office to to pump me up and make me want to run back to my desk while I'm while I'm at uh, down at the, the conference room I got 150 emails that I have to answer. So, I like the idea of just in time because and
1: maybe you can explain why you guys why I call it just in time training. I mean i think just another way of saying that just needs to be easily accessible to people you know if you have to go off site to do this training or if you have to like bring in a particular speaker to do it or even if you have to bring in like an internal manager i mean we talk about what we call like the management burden of training a lot because you're pulling a manager away from their other responsibilities so it's really important if you want training to actually get done that it has to be easy and accessible for everybody involved, like the trainee and the trainers, if you're pulling trainers into it.
0: Yeah, yep. Yeah. And so talk a little bit about your training. How does it work?
1: So we have a, we've built out our own proprietary LMS, Sync Logistics Training, and it's a training as a service. Plan. LMS is learning management software or system, right? Yeah, learning management system. I should know better by now that I have to explain that. I didn't know what that was like five years ago, so I should I should explain it more often. But yeah, like we built out our proprietary learning management system where we have brokerage content ranging from basic industry knowledge through all of your major brokerage areas, customer sales, carrier sales, account management, pricing, and so on and so forth. And it's just, it's an easy, engaging, actionable way to, for people to engage with this content and become better at their jobs. Yep. And by
0: the way, I have had Jim Bearfeld on my podcast. He does a shipper survey every two years or so. I haven't talked to him. He does it every two years. And one of the things he always says is, and he's again, only talks to shippers, which is extremely hard. Whenever you go online and sit on LinkedIn and say, I have a shipper survey, brokers and 3PLs, they are, in their minds, they are shippers. They know more than shippers. So they are always the ones answering this. So he's worked really hard to get insights into what shippers want. And one of the things they complain about is, people make these phone calls. They don't know their business very well and they don't know my business at all. I'm just a name on a sheet. And I think when I Google something, I'm not hoping I find a sales guy. I'm hoping I find an industry expert. I want somebody who understands my needs. So if somebody calls me and I need flatbeds and they have no idea what they're talking about, doesn't so, somebody could say, Well, yeah, but Nick's a great sales guy. Well, if Nick doesn't know anything about flatbeds, he can't be a good sales guy. You gotta be, you, you gotta be knowledgeable about my needs, you gotta be knowledgeable of your equipment.
1: Yeah, and I think that the industry brokerage specifically has gotten a little bit of a bad reputation about that. I mean, don't get me wrong, there are definitely brokers out there who do a great job, right? I mean, they're industry oh, I experts, think, they but everyone they can do better. That's the point. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone can do better. And if you aren't training folks to a level that they actually get to that level, I mean, that's something that's going to hold them back. And that's something you should really be right. And by the way, one of the big challenges that we mostly have when it comes to
0: training. And when I was, I was a general manager, COO of a, a logistics company. And I used to joke that I could not have a staff meeting. There's no way I could have a staff meeting because we would all go into the into this into the room, and the phone rings. And so it's like, "I'll be right back." And they go get it, and then they come back. And go, "Hey, Tom, can you come out here for a minute?" And then before you know it, half my team is back at their desks, right? And that's the challenge we all have. the The ringing phone is more important than the than the training, right? I'm not going to train you to to make more deals when the deal is calling us right now, right? So, so we need to be able to do the training at our desks, between phone calls, in the morning, at lunch, after work. I need to be able to do it during the downtimes. So your learning management system allows me to do that. And you mentioned something else. Explain, please. Simulations, because I think that would be really useful in this. But how do you guys use simulations?
1: Yeah, so we have a partnership with a company, SimTrain, that you're familiar with. I've been on my podcast. Yeah, and we've incorporated these simulations that we've built out into our sync training. So when you think about something like, I'll just use like tracking a driver as an example. Like, if you're a new rep and you need to call a driver for the first time, that's a scary experience. You know, you've never done it before. You don't know what this driver's gonna say. So we've incorporated these simulations to really have a more low risk environment where folks can practice these phone calls They can get familiar with different scenarios of how this could possibly play out. That way they're more comfortable going into the actual live call. And we're building these out for areas like tracking, like I mentioned, carrier sales. How do you source capacity? How do you sell a load? How do I negotiate with a carrier? Customer sales. How do I get past gatekeepers? How do I overcome objections? So we're really incorporating these into as many different parts of our training as we can. And
0: that's that's actually a, the simulations I had the sim trained people on. These are actual where you get to be on a phone call with. I guess it's AI, right? But you can't tell. I've seen the demo; it's absolutely incredible. So I could have a let's just say um, during COVID new information to share. So I could say, let's say Nick, you're the carrier, and I'm calling you up. I have to tell you that you're picking up at my client and they have these rules now at their dock. We're going to do this with the BOL. All of a sudden the conversation's very different. I have to train my guys to make that phone call and I have to do it really quickly. COVID hit like that, right? So if I needed to make some changes to the training, I can,
1: right? Yeah, I work. We're really excited about simulations. We think that they do a great job of backing up our existing training content, and the training content does a great job of backing up the simulations. So between the two of them getting put together, like we were really excited when we met the SimTrain folks, and we were able to incorporate them into our platform. Yeah, Nick, I've
0: I've thought about this before. We've all had the experience where you got to make that difficult phone call, and you got to call and say, "Hey, that shipment that." you said absolutely positively has to be there today, it'll be there first thing in the morning. Right? And that's a hard phone call to make. And I remember I would say, <laughs> I, I remember it like it was yesterday. I'd say to one of my team, hey, you got to make that call. Call them up and see. Tell, tell them what's happening. And they'd say, yeah, I already did. I said, did you text them? Yes. Call them. Well, they they already responded. I said, you have to call. Well, the reason it's no one wants to call when somebody's going to be angry. And I'm going to call Nick and Nick's going to say, I told you absolutely positively had to be here today. And I say, you'll be there first thing in the morning. Truck driver got delayed. That's a hard phone call to make. But if I can practice it a few times ahead of time and understand some of what the angry customer is going to say... I feel a lot better about making that phone call.
1: Yeah. And we're like, we're, I'm really glad you brought that up because we're incorporating some things like soft skills training that specifically addresses that. You know, there are so many things like conflict resolution, communication, and like anything you can think of when you're talking to a customer on the phone that folks need to get, to get trained on. And like my anecdote that's kind of similar to yours, I'll never forget it was like my first six months brokering freight. And I was managing this account that was a like food distributor in the like southeast, all, all over the place. But I'm delivering a load of tortilla chips. And lo and behold, it's not going to deliver on time. And I had just been introduced to this account. it's a pretty big account at the time. And they're like, Nick, just call these people up. tell no, them, just tell they them they the bad deliver. news. Like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. So like, I call them up. I get the buyer on the phone somehow. And I'm like, yeah, dude, it's, like, it's not going to deliver today. I was pretty nonchalant about it. And this guy starts losing his <laughs> mind. Like, just lo- absolutely losing his mind. Did your nonchalant attitude uh, impress him? Yeah, I was like, yeah, dude, it's just, I guess I'm gonna deliver tomorrow. Okay, like, we'll be okay. You're, you're cool. Chips. Yeah, yeah. Come on, it's chips. No one's starving to death here. <laughs> yeah, and, like, I know I approached it that way. But, like, the reality is I probably should have had more training on like how to deliver bad news to a customer, how to handle conflicts when they arise with a customer and all that stuff. And the conversation would have been much better. As it is, like I got chewed out for like 15 minutes by this buyer who was just livid that his tortilla chips weren't delivering on time. Yep. I
0: had a, a shipper that we did a lot of less than truckload for and real, real rough around the edges. and one But a wonderful, wonderful customer. Anytime we had problems with one of the locations not using us it was a, a distribution and they had switched to us, but not everybody was participating because they were wanting to send the business to their fishing buddy or whatever. And so he really went to bat for us over and over again. But again, he was a little rough and we, <laughs> he, he knows, we called him this effing Victor. I, I'm not going to say the word, but effing and Victor. And when he is <laughs> on the phone and when the a lot of times there's a few people in our office who said, I'm not talking to him. And maybe today, this was 10 years ago, maybe today it'd be more appropriate to say, you can't, you can't use profanity with my people because some of them freak out. Most don't care. Some freak out. But if I can practice that and say, "Oh, oh, okay, there are going to be people who are rough around the edges. And Nick, I also say in our business, there's a lot of people who are immigrants who are own trucks we all know that i remember talking to a guy and he was arabic great carrier for us but he always wanted to text us why because he's and i remember he said to me one time after hours we were having a phone call at nine o'clock at night and he said can we text joe he goes because i know you could understand me better if we're in person but since we aren't you can't understand me and i I feel like I'm not doing my job. And I was like, okay, cool. Just, but being able to navigate some of those things might be real daunting. I'm thinking for somebody brand new in this business who said, oh, my God, I didn't realize some of the truck
1: drivers, English is their second language. And they're carrying our loads." Yeah. I mean, to me, like some of these soft skills are almost more important or oh, yeah. just as important as – the more specific brokerage training. I mean, like I get flashbacks to like the screaming matches that you hear between brokers and car- brokers and carriers on the phone that get escalated to a manager just because you need a cooler head in there. Right. I mean, it's not even that much of a problem. It's over $15 or something like that. And you just need somebody to step in who actually, this, this is, this is everywhere. My,
0: I, I have a friend whose dad was in the hospital and I, and I was talking to him and his dad's very old. And, I said, you know, I know the biggest problem you're going to encounter is going to be communication with the doctors. And I said, doctors can be a lot like technicians in some ways because they they are so focused on I'm going to make that person better. They, a lot of them don't worry about the the communication to the family that's worried sick because they're like, no, don't worry. I I got it. I'm going to make this guy healthy again. Well, if you can't communicate that to the family, they're going to be over there freaked out. And I always think the same thing in this. So you mentioned the soft skills. If, if Nick calls me and says, hey, Joe, here's what went wrong. Here's what we're doing to get it back on track. And here's how we're going to make sure this doesn't happen again on your loads. And, and, I, and I get to know, like, and trust you. And we've had that rapport already because you built it before you needed it. We're going to be okay. But if you kind of bring the nonchalant attitude or say, I'm on it, don't worry. Hey, it's not helping that you're, it's not helping that you're angry. It's not helping me at all.
1: No, I, like, I think what you just said is a great example, actually, because I mean, like, yes, having the simulations is great, but also having that training to teach people like, well, what do I need to address in this phone call? And the way you just did it, where you take responsibility, you lay out your plan of action, you tell them what you're going to do next. I mean, those are all important steps in having a difficult conversation with the customer, right? If you go into that conversation, you just say, hey, here's my problem. Sorry. Versus, hey, here's the problem. Here's a proposed solution. Here are next steps. It's it's also, I've said this before to people, and again, everybody, I think a lot of people would know this just
0: because they've done some things in their life, but Nick, if I got to call you with some bad news and I call and I say, Nick, got bad news. Here's what went wrong. Here's what we're doing, blah, blah, blah. I'm also going to follow up with an email to you. And if appropriate, maybe I say, and I'm not charging you for this load. Or if it's a steady customer, you might say, we aren't charging or we're going to knock the price down 500 bucks or whatever, or whatever, whatever concession you might want to make. Maybe that's not appropriate in all cases, but if, and I'm going to follow up with an email on this so you have that record, is so much better than I texted somebody. And again, I think especially, uh, my mother said, my mother's in her 80s and she said, oh, I don't know how the next generation's gonna get by because they love to text and they don't, they aren't good at human interaction. And I said, well, introverted people would have texted 20 years ago if they could, they just couldn't. <laughs> so they, they had, to, but I said, we have to learn those skills to keep our customers the soft skills, the communication. I've, I've said it before in my podcast. Communication is the game changer in our business. And
1: I probably the game changer in every business. 100%. And like I'm just I'm briefly going to tie this back to like whatever the title of this episode is going to be, but like driving profit in a slow market or whatever you decide on. Think about how many more customers you're going to win and think of how many more customers you're going to retain. If your people are trained up on having that specific conversation that you just went through versus like what, however they have their conversation without training. Right. I mean, it's a night and day difference.
0: Yeah. And, but also it, we, you, you guys will teach me logistics. So I don't have to say it's that big truck that doesn't have like the tr- the box on the back. It's like, right. a, it's like a <laughs> flat in the back. And then so, like, oh yeah, my Bob says it's called a flat bed <laughs> like not not exactly giving me yeah. confidence that no matter how personable you are if you don't know the equipment and you don't understand the business i'm not feeling good about it so we have to get our people up to speed and i've watched it and you've watched it nick we've seen it in in, our, in others we've seen it ourselves watching someone grow into the job where they start to feel confident and start feeling like i get this we need to get our people there quickly. I know from some research I did way back in the day on turnover that a lot of turnover is determined early on when they don't get the right orientation to the job. I think it was 20% of turnover happened early because they didn't ever get into the job. And we have to start that early. I think everyone knows new hire training but then, as you said, ongoing training for people who are becoming leaders, and even individual contributors need ongoing training, but we have to constantly get better. And again, they, when the next COVID or next disruption pops up, I might wanna put a little training module in on it. And I want my people to do it while they're sitting at their desks, not not waiting three weeks for a, a guy to come into the conference room and tell us things.
1: Yeah, there's just there's so much value in having like training easily accessible people and having people who are like more well-trained. And like you said earlier, it's your onboarding and training process is a great first impression on people and particularly people who are now entering the industry. It's extremely important to them to have this kind of training and to have these opportunities for professional development.
0: Yep. One other thing I want to talk to you about before we wrap this bad boy up is data. So we all love data these days. How can I use data to
1: see if my training is being effective and or not being effective? No, that's a great question about data. And I think it's very applicable to training. So we have reporting capabilities within Sync where you can see which users have done which courses, how far they are in terms of like course completion. And if they haven't been doing their training or they haven't been finishing their training, it's a really solid early indicator or like a red flag that a person's going to struggle in the future. I mean, this way you can kind of, I hate saying keep tabs on people, it's probably a better way of saying that, but this way you can track their progress and you can see who's actually doing your training. We're using, this is a little off subject, but we're using Sync for Freight Tech companies too to help deliver their training materials to their customers. They need it too. Yeah, it's like tracking their customer's progress is a great early indicator as to whether or not they're going to have adoption problems with their technology. Because if their companies, if their customers aren't doing the training, they're clearly going to have, have struggled when it comes to adopting the product.
0: I love it. I love it. And I will also say, Nick, at some point, if you have a larger, uh, let's say of 10, 20 people taking that training and I look and I say, oh, Joe and Nick have not completed all their modules. They are only 40% through this. And oh, I also noticed Joe and Nick are at the bottom quartile. I can kind of say, hey, Nick, Joe, if you want to succeed here, you're gonna to need to do this training. And I think also at some point you'll be able to say, the guys who did best in training are also doing best in sales. And it, by the way, it could be beyond just sales, but best at their job. And I think, <laughs> by the way, I know you guys already know this, but you also might find out that, hey, we have some people who completed this module, but they don't seem to be doing well in their job.
1: Well, that tells you let's adjust the module and you can do that. Yeah. And like, as we continue to develop, develop the platform, we're going to be start building out some case studies that really illustrate this. But yeah, like you said, I mean, it's, it's a great indication of like how people are going to perform in their jobs. And ideally like you want to be able to identify and proactively address problems before their big problems, right? So if you see someone's not completing their compliance training, for instance, well, that's going to lead to some problems down the road. And it's much easier to fix that problem now than it will be if you hire like a non-compliant truck, for instance. Right.
0: And, you know, I, I, there are so many tales to this, but I'll throw one in there also is, let's just say you observe that uh, Nick's doing really well. And one of the reasons he's doing well is he's able to upsell, existing clients and he's doing this, this, and this, and it's really seeming to work. Well, I can kind of say, Hey Joe, do what Nick does. And I go, well, Nick works from home and I, I work from home. And I'm, I don't see Nick, right? Well, if I start to understand what Nick's doing, that's making him successful, I can start to work that into my training. And that's, and it could be a small thing. You say, look, this is going to be a 20 minute training I want you guys to take on a module. I need you to take it this week and I need you to understand that this is part of something that has to be put into your tool bag this week, toolbox this week, start using it, start doing this because it's working and feel free to modify it a little bit to your taste, but
1: it's worked already for someone else in the organization. Yeah. I mean, I think like you briefly hit on the point there by just being a 20 minute course. I mean, training doesn't have to be this long, arduous process, you know? Ideally, it should be able to get worked into your existing workflows just like anything else. So if you're an experienced person, I mean, you're going to benefit from even if it's three, four hours a month or so of additional training or retraining and continuous education stuff.
0: Repetition is one of the keys to this thing. It has to be reinforced by the managers. The managers have to make sure. But what we're trying to do is take something that's brand new, repeat it enough times, do it enough times that it becomes a habit. And it might be repetitive to say it over and over again, but at some point when you say, okay, I get it, I get it, I'm doing it. (laughs) But it's like any other habit that we develop. It's really hard to start that habit, but once you have it, it's impossible to quit. Yeah. Anyway, enough of my blather, Nick. So again, I really appreciate it. Again, winning in a down market is different than, than competing in regular markets. So I'm gonna do a quick summary and then I wanna get your final thoughts. That's a huge topic, so I don't know how you get final thoughts on this, but you do the best you can. Um, so we talked about during down times, we have a lot of companies, not just freight brokers, freight tech, everybody's a little, little concerned. So they cut back, maybe they let go of people. Maybe they had a layoff, or maybe they stopped hiring new people or slowed down the hiring. The technology that I was going to buy that would make us more effective, more efficient. Going to hold off on that for another quarter or two. Marketing, or to scale back. And then I also probably scaled back the training. And yet I hope my people can do more with less, right? Not necessarily a great plan. It's different selling in a down market, in a hot market. I got a truck, therefore I get business. I win, right? Nick needs a truck. I found a truck. I win. In a down market, it's very different. It's much more price-driven. It's a different conversation. People need to understand how to sell in a down market. And then this is talking about the importance of training, is the third point is new hires obviously important, ongoing training, people being moved into leadership positions clearly need training, use the term engaging, relevant, actionable, that's what you guys are trying to drive to this. This will help us retain our people. And hopefully this kind of training is also aligned within our company. So I'm not going to an outside trainer who's going to teach me something that my boss and the vice president of sales and the owner don't agree with. And then we talked about the idea of just in time. I want to be able to do this training when I need it. I just had a na- nasty phone call with somebody. I'm going to go back and take the module on making difficult phone calls, right? So I don't don't so I don't stumble next time. We also talked about data driven. You know, I want to, I want to do training that is data driven so I can show here's the ROI you're getting on the training. Here's the results we're getting from people taking the training.
1: Final thoughts Nick Dangles. <laughs> No, Joe, I think you did a great job of summing that up actually. I'll keep my final thoughts brief. It's when it comes to selling in a down market, brokers have a very real tendency to do things like scaling back in technology and training and marketing, like we mentioned, when in reality, that's the last thing that you want to be doing. What you want to do is reinvest in these things. And just to focus on training briefly, because that's what we're that's what we're developing. You need to reinvest in training because it's so important from both a new hire perspective and a continuing education professional development perspective. Your new hires need that training to be productive people, and your more experienced hires need the training to continue to be productive, and you need it to be able to retain the talent that you've already developed.
0: Excellent, excellent. So so let's just say I listened. somebody's listening to this podcast, and they said, oh my God, Joe is so smart. I love listening to that guy. And I heard Nick Dangles said I want to buy what he's selling. <laughs> Is this expensive? How do you guys sell this? And then how do you implement it?
1: Yep. So it's a subscription model. Feel free to reach out. We can. I'd be happy to talk to you about Sync, walk you through the platform and talk to you about pricing then. If you want to reach out to me, LinkedIn's a great place to reach out to me. I'm fairly active on there. Shoot me a message. Or feel free to email me at nick at powered by Yeah, I'll
0: put a link to your LinkedIn profile a link to your website and anything else you give me. But- is this going to be I, I I know it's gotta be a better deal than sending my people off to a,
1: you know, spin training or some of the other training classes that are out there, right? Yeah, I mean like we like we touched on prior to this call, like one of our big things is that training is a process, not an event, right? If you send somebody to an isolated training, do they get value out of it? Sure, right? But really what you want is you want that continuous training. You want it to be reinforced over time. And you want people to have specific learning paths that they can follow throughout their tenure at your company. Right.
0: I got to tell you, Nick, years ago, I went to SPIN training. And that stands for Situation, Problem, Implication, and something else. I forgot what. Great training. I'm not against the training by any means. But at that time, they were like, oh, we don't have anything going on in Detroit. So I had to go to Chicago to take the training, which was crazy. But great training, three days, very intensive. But there's people who work for IBM there and other stuff. At the end, I was like, well, what about like reaching out to people? They're like, oh, well, that's more like a prospecting or like a marketing or cold calling. We don't really get into that. I was like, I didn't say this, but I was thinking that's our Biggest problem. That's my biggest problem. Oh, geez. So I guess my point to saying that is this is specific to this industry. They were looking, they got other guys there who are working at IBM. People are calling them. It's not a, they're IBM. It's different.
1: So I, I love that, that you guys have created something for us. Yeah, this is this is very highly transportation focused. Current state, I would say our sweet spot is probably brokerage and freight tech companies. As we look for. As we further develop our platform, we're going to expand it to different players like shippers and warehousing, et cetera. But current state, brokers, and freight tech companies. Excellent. Very specialized training for each of those. Excellent. I love
0: it. So, Nick, I like to interview smart, interesting people like you.
1: Who else should I interview on my podcast? You know, one guy that jumps to mind is Matt Leffler. who is he? The armchair attorney? Real weird dude. <laughs> But I really like Matt a lot. I think he'd be a great addition. You should like. You should definitely contact him. I'm going to write
0: down real weird dude.
1: <laughs> and I really like that guy. I feel comfortable <laughs> saying that because I think he would agree. And what does he do? But, uh, so he's an attorney, and like you can t- catch a lot of his videos on LinkedIn. I think he puts out great like informative content that everybody can get some value out of. He's a real smart guy. Yeah, I am already connected to him on LinkedIn.
0: And by the way, I do seem to know you, you're you trained as an attorney. So is my buddy, Ryan Shriver. And so is Matt Leffler and also Cassandra Gaines, right? Yep. And I don't think you and Ryan are the ones. Somehow who, here we are all on transportation. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think Cassandra still does legal work. And I think Matt still does yeah. that. But you and Ryan are like, no, we are full on. We are full on freight techies. So what I'll do, Nick, is I'll put a link to the LinkedIn profile and a link to uh, your website and any other links you give me. And so people can reach out and talk to you. What conferences will we see you guys at?
1: Well, if you want to connect, I will be at TIA coming up in the next month or so. So feel free to reach out. I would love to meet people in person. Excellent. Well, we'll see you at TIA
0: and hopefully I'll see you next year at Manifest. I know I wanted to see you this year at Manifest, but we'll talk about that after we hang up. So thank you so much, Nick. I really appreciate you taking the time. No, thanks, Joe. Really appreciate you having me on. Yep. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, Onward and Upward. You have been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage with leaders in the logistics and supply chain community. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, hit the like button, and leave us a nice review on Apple or Spotify or wherever, wherever else you listen. Also, please check out our videos on YouTube and connect with us on LinkedIn. We're very big on LinkedIn. And you can also reach us on the logistics of logistics.com, our website.